This is a podcast from the Business Times. Hi there, everyone. I'm Genevieve Kwa, Wealth Editor of the Business Times. Almost every year at the end of the year, I'm somewhat bemused. Where did all those months go? But in terms of my investment journey, 2022 didn't fly fast enough. Personally, my portfolio is in the red, counting by calendar year. But our loss isn't as bad as a broad market. There are some bright spots, like the deposit rates we've managed to lock in. And then, of course, there is a CPF, which is literally a risk-free oasis. Much as we wish the CPF would raise its base interest rates, the compounding effect of the current rates is very significant. In this first episode for 2023, I thought it would be helpful if I distilled some insights from the many investment commentaries and presentations we get at the start of the year. I hope this episode will help you to take stock and take action. Here are some quick takes. 1. The macro environment for investment has improved. But do take note, most strategists say it's not yet a risk-on environment. This means it may be prudent to hold off from taking too much equity risk. What has improved? First is the inflation trend in the U.S. Inflation for December came in at 6.5%. It's the slowest rate of consumer price increase since October 2021 and the sixth straight month of decline. Predictably, markets bounced when this was announced. There is now rising expectation that the Fed would be more restrained in hiking interest rates this year like a 25 basis point increase instead of 50 basis points. Some expect that the Fed would begin to cut rates this year. But after a very challenging investment experience last year, I'd say it's too early to celebrate. Maybe it's true that we've seen the peak of inflation, but interest rates are a blunt tool, and there is a lag effect on the economy and corporate earnings. We're still in an environment of slower growth or even a recession, and higher inflation In fact, some analysts say recession is not yet fully priced into markets. In short, it looks like another volatile year, although the drawdowns this year may not be as bad as 2022. A second improvement is China, which reversed its zero-COVID policy suddenly last year. Economic data that just came out shows China's economy expanded by 3% in 2022. That's the slowest pace of growth since the 1970s and much lower than the official projection of 5%. Still, even as its COVID infections and deaths are rising, strategists see the China economy as the brightest spot in the world. After all, U.S. growth is likely around 2% and Japan under 2% for 2022. Relatively speaking, China's 3% growth is very good. The government has strongly signaled its commitment to prioritize economic growth. Already, markets have anticipated this. In just the first few days of the year, the MSCI China and MSCI Asia-Pacific indexes have done very well, better than U.S. stocks. Most strategists are telling investors to overweight Asian stocks because they expect China's recovery to help Asia achieve a soft landing. But again, China's recovery won't be in a straight line upwards. There are many uncertainties, Its exports may be affected if global economies fall into recession, for example, and consumer confidence is low. 
we need China domestic consumers to begin to spend. We've just been talking about how macroeconomic conditions appear to look brighter this year. The second quick take from bank reports is this. Bonds are back in favor. Finally, as they say, there is income in fixed income. This is a very good thing, a happy reversal from the past few years. Last year was a bear market in bonds because of the record pace of interest rate hikes. Fixed income fell by double digits. Bonds are supposed to rise when stocks fall. But last year, both stocks and bonds fell at the same time. There was literally nowhere to hide in a balanced portfolio. But this year is set to be far different. Today, you can get yields from high-quality or investment-grade bonds in contrast to the years since the 2008 financial crisis, when quantitative easing depressed yields to very low levels. This forced people to take more credit risk just to get yield. Here's an idea of the yields you can get today. More than 5% from investment-grade bonds, about 8% from U.S. high yield, and 7.5% from emerging markets. This year, bonds are also expected to revert to their traditional role as diversifiers in portfolios. That is a big relief for retirement savers. Many investment reports tell investors that this is a good time to lock in the higher yields from bonds. And I agree. Here is an interesting statistic from UBS Asset Management that shows how things have changed in the bond market. At the end of 2021, only about a quarter of the bond market offered yields of more than 2%. Towards the end of 2022, this universe tripled. More than 80% of the market offered yields of more than 2%. Higher bond yields in your portfolio give you a greater cushion for volatility, which we expect to remain high this year. What's more, as much as investors like to collect income or yield, the role of yield in total returns is still not appreciated enough. There are two components in total returns, yield and price. For bonds, yield has been the biggest driver of total returns. According to UBS Asset Management, even for some types of bonds like emerging market bonds, the price return over a long period has been negative. But the overall total return remained high because of the yield component. Still to come, more on the actions you can take to get your portfolio ahead in 2023. Partnering you on your wealth and investment journey. Bringing you insights to make well-timed market moves. Sharing actionable personal financial tips. Helping you protect and grow your wealth. Analyzing Singapore's market trends and corporate issues. Supporting you through your Singapore property journey. Insights from your trusted partner, the Business Times Podcasts. Are you listening? And now, back to Wealth BT from the Business Times. We've just been discussing the highlights of market views for this year. Where do all those insights leave us? Here are some actionable ideas. One, take a fresh look and commit to the balanced portfolio. That may not sound very exciting, but balanced portfolios are actually the bedrock of retirement and long-term investing. If you pursue a strategic asset allocation, the balanced portfolio is your core strategy. Then at the margin, you may take higher risk like investing in individual tech stocks. 
Because of Bond's disastrous performance last year, many observers believe that the balanced or 60-40 portfolio is dead. 60-40 means 60% in equities, 40% in bonds. This is a staple in retirement investing. Balanced, by the way, could also be 50-50 or 80-20. But here's the thing. Clearly, the 60-40 portfolio's returns were poor, minus 17% last year. But in the context of the long history of markets since the Great Depression, this is only the second or third worst performance of the 60-40 portfolio, depending on which tracking data you use. In other words, it looks like last year's extremely high correlation between stocks and bonds was unusual. And you can blame that on pretty unusual circumstances where the pace of rate hikes was a shock to both bonds and equities. But don't forget, there is a silver lining in bad markets. It sets up the stage for better markets. Last year's correction in stocks and bonds has brought valuations to much more attractive levels. Of late, strategists have revised their long-term capital market expectations. This is a theoretical exercise to give investors an idea of long-term returns. A 60-40 portfolio is now expected to generate returns of around 7% a year over the next five years, compared to just about 3% a year ago. The second actionable idea follows from my earlier point about the yield from bonds. I believe if you have spare cash, Bonds are worth your while, particularly if they are investment-grade and the duration isn't long. But be careful to make sure you diversify. That is, unless you're confident about the credit risk of an issuer, it's best to avoid single-company unique risks that could cause permanent loss. In this environment where inflation is still high and economies may fall into recession, there are still risks to earnings, so make sure to pick defensive, and stable sectors. Three, continue to deploy your spare cash into higher-yielding deposits for now. Today, you can still secure FD rates of just over 4% for periods of 7 to 12 months. Low-risk options like FDs do not keep pace with inflation, but at least you earn more than the plain cash rate, which remains very low. FDs also enable you to be nimble, and you can easily redeploy the cash for investments that you may find attractive. Break-in FD may have a penalty in that you may have to forfeit the interest rate, but your principal stays intact. Singaporeans have also remained very keen on low-risk options like the six-month treasury bills. The latest auction in mid-January ended with an interest rate of 4%. This is lower than mid-December, when an auction fetched 4.4%, the highest in 30 years. But at the start of 2022, six-month T-bills carried an interest rate of 0.55%, so the rates have come a long way. Now the big question is whether yields would continue to stay high. T-bills roughly follow the trajectory of U.S. interest rates, since the Fed is expected to slow the pace of rate hikes, the rates for Singapore T-bills may have peaked. If you are considering putting some money in T-bills, I do think the rates will still be attractive for now. What you need to note is that a T-bill is like investing in a zero-coupon bond. You are issued the bill at a discount. At maturity, your interest is paid along with your principal. You cannot redeem it before it matures, but you can sell it in the secondary market. 
Of course, there is also the Singapore Savings Bond, which is also liquid. The latest issue is quoted at an interest rate of 2.97% over 10 years. If you redeem the bond prematurely, you still get your principal back plus the accrued interest rate, but you may have to wait up to one month for your cash to be credited back to you. The fourth and last actionable idea is to make sure you maximize the interest rate within the CPF, which is guaranteed and risk-free. You can do this in a few ways. One, commit to voluntary top-ups into your CPF. Top-ups earn a tax benefit, so you also save on income taxes. In fact, topping up your CPF early in the year, like right now, will earn you 20% more interest over 10 years because of the power of compounding. If you're younger, below 55, you can also transfer your ordinary account savings into your special account to earn 4%. Those older than 55 can top up their retirement account, which also earns 4%. Two, make sure you satisfy the thresholds to earn extra interest rate for your CPF. The first $60,000 of the combined balance in the special account, MediSave, and retirement account earn 1% interest a year. For those age 55 or older, you can earn 2% extra interest on the first $30,000 of those combined balances and 1% extra on the next $30,000. In other words, you stand to earn up to 6%, which is very good, even if it's subject to limits. Three, you can put your CPF savings into higher yielding options like fixed deposits and T-bills. For now, applying for T-bills with a CPF savings needs to be done personally at the agent bank. But in the first quarter of this year, banks are expected to begin to allow CPF members to instruct this digitally. Four, it makes sense to try to pay down your home loan or to avoid using your CPF savings for loan installments. Home loans today would be priced at significantly higher rates than just a year ago. Reducing the use of CPF for your mortgage will help to enhance your retirement savings, which you will not regret. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening, and I wish you the best of the Lunar New Year celebrations. That was a podcast from the Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, or via the Google Voice Assistant Amazon-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.